I want to talk to you today about pursuing maturity. I want to talk to you about pursuing maturity. I've been feeling strongly about the fact that the church, God's people, we all need to mature a little bit more. We need to grow a little bit more. And I think sometimes if we're not in tune with the Spirit, we'll miss the opportunities that's afforded us to grow. I believe that in every challenge you find yourself in, every situation you find yourself in, it's a, it's a chance to grow. You know, a lot of people miss 2020. 2020 to me was a great year for growth, a great year for maturity, a great year to deepen your walk and to deepen your roots. And a lot of times, because we're not in tune with the Spirit, we, we do a lot of complaining, we do a lot of whining. Someone called the ambulance. You know, instead of just growing and saying, God, what do you want to do through this? You know, I, I think sometimes in life, it's better to ask for what than to ask why. You know, we, we never get to the bottom of why, but we can know for what. You know, I, I don't know God's heart. I don't know why bad things happen to good people and all that stuff. I just know this, that, that there is always a what behind the why. You know, and I want to get to the what. Like, God, what, what, what is it that you want to do because of the situation? Are you with me? So 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. We're gonna, it's a long read, but it's worth it. And I encourage you to take notes so you can unpack this stuff one-on-one with the Holy Spirit during the week. But it says this, By His divine power, God, this is where I wish I was from the South, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the one who called us to Himself, by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Verse 5, in view of all of this, make every effort. You might want to highlight that. Every effort. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful. Isn't that what we want? It's to be productive and useful. That, to me, that's the heart of this whole journey. I want to be productive and I want to be useful. Can you say amen? You know, I want to begin this talk by giving us a refresher on, on, on how to get the most out of the Bible. When you're studying the Bible, I call this Bible study one-on-one, right? There's a couple of key things you always want to keep in mind when you're reading or studying the Bible. Number one is who wrote this book, right? Remember, there's, there's 66 books, but they have writers, right? And these writers were inspired by the Holy Spirit. 
And then the second question is, why was it written? Every book has an author, and every author has a why behind it, right? And I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet, do yourself a favor. Get a study Bible, because a study Bible will help you unpack some of these questions, right? Every study Bible begins with this background. It gives you a background of why this book was written, who was written, what the, what the context is, because if you're going to understand the Bible, you first have to understand its original context in order to contextualize it for today. The mistake a lot of people make sometimes in the Bible is they just want to go straight to the contextualization but not knowing the context of it, right? So it's important to know why this, these scriptures were written in the first place. So a little background on the book that we just read from, right? This is the second book written by one of the original disciples or students of Jesus named Peter, right? And we know a little bit about Peter when you read the Gospels. You, you know that Peter was one of the disciples that was very uh, emotional. Like Peter was raw, and Peter had a loud mouth. And some of us, we can relate, right? Peter also had a little temper. Like we know that Peter was the one who cut one of the soldiers' ears when they came to arrest Jesus. I think Peter was from Far River. <laughs> and we know this. We know that, that in, his, in his years with Jesus, that he was actually one of the first disciples to recognize Jesus for who Jesus really was. That Jesus was more than just a rabbi, more than just a teacher. That Jesus was actually the son of God, equal with God. And when he, when he had that revelation, Jesus said, man, that is from the spirit, Peter. That's not your emotions speaking. That's not your, your own intellect speaking. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, giving you this revelation. And in that moment, Jesus gave him a deeper revelation about who he was about to become. He said, listen, I'm not longer going to call you Simon. I'm going to call you Peter. Right? And we know his name, Peter, means rock. It's actually where we get the word pillar from. Right? Petros, right? He says, upon you, the rock, and I'm going to build my church. And Peter becomes one of the original leaders of the church of Jesus Christ. Now, there was two key moments in Peter's life. And if you're taking notes, these two key moments, I believe all of us need to have these moments if we're going to pursue maturity with Jesus, right? The first turning point in Peter's life came after Jesus died and rose again. Jesus came back to have a conversation with his disciples, and he actually singled out Peter when he came to have this conversation with his disciples, because we know that Peter had denied Jesus three times. Remember, Peter told Jesus, I'm with you, ride or die. Problem is, when he came to dying, he wasn't writing. Because here's something that I want us to take note of. I think Peter meant well, but I don't think Peter had the spiritual maturity to carry his word through. I think a lot of people mean well, they just don't have the spiritual death to follow what they're saying. Because we know maturity is, is when, when your talk matches your walk. Right? And so I, I believe in a moment when Peter said those things, he was in his feelings. But he didn't have the roots to really back up what he was saying. Are you tracking? And so 
All Peter was at this point was feelings. And, 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 I, and I hate to say this, but I think one of the things that was revealed to us in 2020 that a lot of people, all they had was feelings. They didn't have roots. They didn't have convictions. They had feelings minus convictions. Right? Because when things get hard, the real you gets revealed. And we know Peter meant well, but then when he got hard, when people start checking him, he started saying, I don't know him. Matter of fact, the, the, the original says that Peter was actually cussing people out. I'm not going to do that in church right now, but Peter was not saying, gosh darn it, I don't know him. <laughs> That's how church people cuss. French fries. That's what my youth leader used to say. He said, when you get mad, just say French fries. I'm like, what in the world? What's that mean? That's how Christians cuss. <laughs> but his lack of maturity was revealed because you don't know that you don't have maturity until you are in tough situations. But a turning point came when Jesus came and singled them out and they had a one-on-one conversation. And I want to give you two places to go during the week to look at. But in John 21... Peter had this conversation. It was very, very intense because Jesus singled him out and asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? Now, the beauty of studying the Bible, you realize that the word love there, each time Jesus used the word love, he was using love in different ways. Peter, do you agape me? Do you have the same love for me that I have for you? Peter, do you eros me? Like, are we intimate? And then Peter, do you phileo me? Are we, like, close friends? Because you don't have maturity until your real love gets checked. Everybody says they have love for you until they don't. So Jesus, in this moment, I think he was having a very serious conversation with Peter to say, hey, listen, if you're going to go any further, we need to know, like, how serious are you? I'm serious about you. I just came back from dying for you. Now, how serious are you about me? Right? It's one thing to say, you know, God, you know, God loves me, but it's like, do you love God? Not love God just by feelings, but love God by actions. That's what Peter was having this moment. Because each time he answered, Jesus, you know why Jesus responded? Go, go look at John 21. Jesus never said, oh, I'm so glad. Jesus said, no, go do what I asked you to do. Because love is an action verb. Love does. Love doesn't just feel. Right? He said, go do what I'm asking you to do. Go feed my lambs. In other words, hey, remember I told you you're going to be my rock? Go build the church like I asked you to. See, a lot of people nowadays say they got love for God, but they don't have love for his church. You know, a lot of people like to separate Jesus from his church. But Jesus doesn't separate himself from the church. He comes to him, he says, let me check your love. And then he says, now go build the church. Because the way you show me that you truly love me is by the way you build people. True maturity is not my feelings, it's how I build others. So that's turning point number one. But he needed something deeper than just that conversation. He needed to be spirit-filled. That's why Jesus said to them, hey, now go wait for the Holy Spirit. Jesus had that conversation with them and said, hey, in a few weeks, actually in five weeks from this conversation, Pentecost will happen. Penta means five. In five weeks, the Spirit of God is going to come upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses in, in, in everywhere you go. And Peter, the loudmouth, who denied Jesus three times, five weeks before, 
stands up and preaches the gospel so powerfully that 3,000 people get saved, not counting women and children. It's probably about six, five to 6,000 people got saved through this one guy who denied Jesus, which tells me that Jesus loves you so much that he's willing to stick with you and give you his spirit to be able to do what he's called you to do. Spiritual maturity. <laughs> spiritual maturity happens when you have had these moments with the Lord. You need a serious one-on-one -on -one with him, and you need to be spirit-filled if you're going to be who he's called you to be. Can you say amen? So Peter becomes the first pastor of Jerusalem. And the reason why we have these two books is because when he becomes the pastor of Jerusalem, they, the church, the, the, this new church, gets hit with a massive persecution. Persecution was so heavy that they started to flee and go to different places to try to find some type of solace, to try to find some kind of peace. And so Peter was actually writing to all these believers who were all over the place. He was trying to encourage them in the middle of the persecution. And then in the second book, what he does is he says, now, hey, I know we're still in it, but the way we're going to be able to get through this persecution is that we need to mature in our faith. Actually, there's two reasons he writes the second book, if you're taking notes. Two main reasons. One was to build the church through persecution, and two, because there were some false teachings that was happening in the midst of persecution, and then Peter was writing to say, hey, we need to be rooted in God's word so we don't fall prey to the wrong teachings. My friends, it's amazing to me that this book was written 2,000 years ago and is so relevant right now because there's a lot of false teaching happening right now. Listen, it's impossible to not go on YouTube right now and not find someone bashing someone for false teaching. Matter of fact, according to YouTube theologians, everybody's a false teacher. Like, I'm telling you, I, I did a search on this just to, just, to, just, to, just to make my own observation. Any Bible teacher that I, that I thought about, I put it on YouTube, someone has something to say about them. And so it's important, my friends, right now, that we're not just rooted in God's word because the world, but we, we need to be rooted because there are false teachings out there. Not everybody who says Jesus is with Jesus, right? Not everybody that quotes a Bible verse is with Jesus. I don't know if you know this, but when the enemy came to tempt Jesus, he used the Bible verse on Jesus. So just because someone has Bible verses doesn't mean they have the Spirit of God. And so it's important that we need to grow in maturity in the Word so we know even how to discern when someone is teaching something that is not from Jesus. It's amazing to me how opinionated our world is nowadays. Like, I didn't know I was in Numilati until someone said I was. <laughs> According to some people, I mean, in Illuminati. I'm like, I have no idea what that means. Thank you for letting me know. <laughs> I've been called false teacher and false prophet by people that have never met me before. But just because you have an opinion doesn't mean you have convictions. Just because you have opinions doesn't mean you're in truth. So he's writing, he's saying, man, you guys, you, if you're going to make it through this persecution and his false teachings, you need to grow deeper in your word and in maturity. Can you say amen? Now, listen, one of the great joys of life, I believe, is being a, is being a parent. I think it's one of the greatest joys in life. I was just telling uh, a man that's going to be a father for the first time. I said, man, I'm not even going to try to say anything. This is something that the moment you experience it, you'll know it's one of the greatest joys that you will ever have in life is to be a parent. 
right? And being a father of 10 kids, um, it's five, but it feels like 10. It, it has been an ongoing joy to watch your kids grow, and it's amazing that they grow every day right before your eyes. Like every single day, they grow. Every single day, they are growing, even in the mundane, right? Even in the routine of life, they are growing, right? Like, isn't it amazing for you guys who are parents, right? One day, all of a sudden, they just start talking. You're like, what? How? You were just crawling, now you're walking. And now you're walking by me like you own the house. Like, you ever had that moment as a father, like, yo, where did people come from? Like, they're just all over the place. But, but for me, one of the major highlights came when my first two olders began to do something to me that was revolutionary. They began to wake up in the morning, go downstairs and get their own breakfast. To me, that was one of the greatest moments as a parent in the history of my parenting. Was that, man, you can get up at six in the morning, not wake me up, but go downstairs, open the cupboard and get your own cereal? There is a God. And I'm so thankful for those moments, right? Not only that, but man, the second greatest highlight was when they, the two older ones, started getting the younger ones breakfast for them. You talking about spiritual maturity, that to me is massive as a father. To be able to get that extra 20 minutes of sleep, to be able to like linger a little bit longer, knowing that, hey, they're having breakfast. I don't care what they're having. I'm just glad I'm not the one serving. <laughs> Listen, what's crazy is that this is the first year, no lie, in like 13 years that we're not buying diapers. There is a God. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Right? This is the first time in 13 years that we're like, there's no one in diapers. Glory to God, hallelujah, I got a testimony. <laughs> and we are finally done with diapers. My friends, here's the thing though, like physical growth happens naturally, but spiritual growth happens intentionally. That it can grow physically, but it's gonna be different to grow it's one thing to grow physically, it's another thing to grow spiritually. It's, not, it's one thing to, to have an age number, it's another thing to have the maturity to go with that number. Like, we have no choice of being a certain age, but we do have the choice of being mature enough to reflect that age. Are you tracking with me? See. Peter says, you gotta, it takes every effort to be spiritually mature because it's not going to fall on your lap to be spiritually mature. I'm going to tell you something. Showing up to church doesn't mean you're going to be mature. Showing up is half the battle. The other half is, is the effort that you put into becoming a mature person. Let me, I, I want to define a little bit what I mean by about, about spiritual maturity. Listen, maturity is not defined by what you know. Maturity is not defined by what you know. Maturity is what you produce and what you do for others. Maturity is not defined by what you know. It's what you produce and what you do for others. Paul was talking about a church that was very immature. 
the church in Corinthians was extremely immature. Matter of fact, the whole book of 1 and 2 Corinthians is all about the fact that, man, you guys are so talented, but you're so immature. Take a, take, a, take a moment and go read those two books. It's one of the biggest churches in the first century, the Corinthians church, but it was the most immature church that Paul was pastoring. Talent does not equate maturity. He was saying, like, I mean, you guys have all the spiritual gifts. This is the church where he talks about, like, speaking in tongues, and he talks about prophecy, and he talks about healing. He's like, man, you guys, I have all of that, but you have no maturity. And he says this about their the, the lack of maturity. He, goes, he says this. He goes, watch this. He says, we know that we all possess knowledge. In other words, like, I know you guys know some stuff, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Right? He says, listen, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, you're knowledgeable, but guess what? You're just puffing yourself up because you're not building anybody up. This is where he, he goes into 1 Corinthians 13. Love is kind. Love is patient. Everybody thinks he's talking about a wedding. He's talking about the church. We're using it in weddings. But he was talking about this church. He was saying, listen, why don't you become mature in your love? Right? Those who think they know something to do, not yet know as they know how to know it. I got to read that again. That sounded like I'm speaking in tongues. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. That's better. That's English. <laughs> that sounded like I'm speaking Verdean to myself. But, but what Paul was saying is like, listen, if you think you know something, but your actions are not reflecting it, you don't, you don't really know it. All you have is not head knowledge. Right? So this is what maturity is, my friends. Because I see so many people who think they know just because they know some Bible verses. This is where this whole like, YouTube theology war comes from. Everybody who knows a little bit about the Bible, they feel like, okay, I have a platform to go bash somebody else. But if you have any sense of maturity, you will know the Bible is not being used as a weapon against other believers. It's to be used against the enemy. So my friends, spiritual maturity is getting your own breakfast and then helping others eat. That's what spiritual maturity is. Is that I'm able to go to the Word and eat for myself, but it's not enough for me to eat for myself. I need to have others eat because that's what love does. It builds up. It doesn't puff up. Can you say amen? The other thing that Paul gets into, again, if you get a chance to read this book, it's powerful. But Paul says, listen, no one can reach maturity alone. Because no man is an island. Even if you find yourself in a deserted island, you need a Wilson. Some of y'all get that. But spiritual maturity happens when you rub shoulders with others. You know, we like to quote, iron sharpens iron, but you, do you understand the actual imagery is giving you there? Have you ever seen someone trying to bend steel? It's not cute. It's hard. Have you ever seen someone try to bend steel? It's, ah, ah. Like, that's what the Bible was saying. It's like you don't become mature without rubbing shoulders and some people aligning you with the word and with the truth. It's not, you know, this cute thing, you know, iron sharp as iron. You will never bend still by just caressing it. This is the picture that the Bible is trying to give you. Listen, this is why we, we, we push people to join teams and to join crews because we know that your maturity is going to come by rubbing shoulders with other believers. It doesn't come by yourself. Funny thing is, 
all of us can be mature by ourselves. Think about it. Like, all by yourself, you're not being tested, you're not being tempted. You're very mature. Until someone pokes you. <laughs> now, you, ever, you ever meet the person that you thought, that person's really nice, and then you saw someone poke them, and they turn into a monster? And you're like, oh my God, Susie, I didn't know. <laughs> I'm trying to use other names. Oh my gosh, Aquina, I had no idea. So I take it off my earrings. It's like, oh my God, I didn't know that you were like that. You look so nice all the time. That's because no one texted her before. Right? But listen, it's when you are in a community that you'll push beyond your selfishness, beyond your pride, and beyond being right, to being righteous. Only happens in community. That's why I'm anti these YouTube theologians, because it's easy to be in your living room speaking into a screen. But can you get around some people and have real conversations and see how you do when someone pushes you back? That's a whole other story. Right? It's in crew that you rub shoulders with others, not just in theory, but in reality. You know, it's cruise season, and we love to push people to cruise because we know this is what could happen. If you, if, you, if you are willing to get out of your comfort zone and actually be with other people and people who don't see things like you see it, that you may disagree on some things, but you're trying to go somewhere in life, to me, that's real maturity, right? A lot of people, like the moment things begin to get hard, what do we do? We run. But I believe this, and I've said this many times, wherever you go, there you are. Right? That's why some people jump from relationship to relationship not realizing it's not about relationship, it's about you. You can go to 10 different churches and not grow. Why? Because you're still there. Wherever you are, there you are. Peekaboo. Right? So join a crew for the sake of maturity. Join a crew because you want to be out of your comfort zone and you want to let other people text you a little bit and you want to be able to rub shoulders and say, hey, iron is really sharpening iron here. Can you say amen? You know, I want to show a quick video of, of, of a testimony of cruise because I think it's so important that you hear from people who have been doing cruise so you can understand the power of it. So I want to play a quick video here. Are you guys good for me in the back there? Go ahead, play, play that video. Hi, my name is Jessica um, and I've been coming to New Life for the summer will be five years. When I first started crew, I was very much an introvert. You know, I'm somebody that had always had the same friends all the time, had my circle. You know, had other acquaintances, but was always very comfortable just with my little group of people. And um, that started to change as I went to crew. I started, you know, meeting other people all from all different, you know, we were all different, from different walks of life, different backgrounds, different stories. Um, and I was very quiet at first, didn't really share much. Um, but my crew leader, she really tried to like, you know, get it out of me. So I just kept going there receiving at first and then I would share a little, you know, some things about me and it was really just the community and that's really what I gravitated toward and the friendships and that was, you know, almost five years ago. It's a place that you don't have to feel like you have to know everything to go to. I learned a lot, I learned about the Bible, I didn't really know, that. you know, I'd heard the Bible, everybody's heard Bible verses over the years, but I never really actually knew the story of Jesus. And so it actually prompted me, I would like then start watching, like I watched the Bible documentary, and I really just wanted to learn so much more about Jesus. And that came from talking about it at the crew, and I could feel comfortable and not judge that I didn't know everything, because we were, you know, we were all learning, and it was nice to know that 
you know, sometimes we think that we have to fit into this certain category of I wait, once I reach this level, then I can go to a crew because I have to know this, that, and the other. And we don't. I still don't, you know, and I've been going to crews for five years. I don't, I can't quote every Bible verse, and that's okay. But I could go and ask questions, and I'm still teachable, you know, even all these years later. My favorite crew memory that I have, I don't know if it's necessarily a memory, but one of the crews that my husband and I did, um, it was just like the food that we had. It was just like the best crew, the best food, and it was just like, it was our first marriage crew that I did with my husband. Um, and it was, we just developed some great friendships from it. A lot of times, even my husband and I, we've been together over 22 years, and sometimes it's still hard to be vulnerable. And I feel like I learned a lot about him and he, he learned about me, and it just was nice to have that connection. And then also to connect with other couples and see, you know, take different things. There was people that were from newlyweds to people that had been married for 40 years and that crew. So we all had, we were all there for a reason. We were all there to help each other. So don't feel like you have to be at a certain level or you have to just come as you are, show up, just take the chance. And I promise that you will not regret it. It's, it's amazing. Just, just do it. That's awesome. You know, one thing that she said that's so true, please write this down, maturity happens when we are teachable. The word disciple means student. A student has to be teachable if he's going to grow. A disciple is someone who never stops learning, never stops growing. And I think the goal of Christianity is to be more and more like Christ. So maturity is an ongoing process, right? This is why Peter says, hey, you got you to gotta make the effort to grow. You got to put in the work to grow, right? We want to become well-rounded individuals. We want to become well-rounded people, right? And we want to partner with God because this is not going to fall on our lap. I believe that this walk is a partnership between us and the Holy Spirit, always inviting the Holy Spirit to take us deeper, right? And so he gave us the building blocks of maturity, right? Peter said, here are the building blocks of maturity, right? He said, it starts with faith, right? But you got to add moral excellence to your faith, right? And then you got to add knowledge. Again, he's not talking about just head knowledge. He's saying, like, you got to have the truth of his word in you, right? Because the truth of his word in you is going to steer you towards the right place and the right things. And then you got to have self-control, and actually, the word that he uses there is that you're not ruled by lust. As we know, our society is extremely ruled by lust. Right? And then he says, you've got to have patient endurance because this is a long journey. It's a marathon. Right? And you've got to be able to be patient through the hardships and the trials. And then that leads to godliness. You can't fake godliness. Right? That, that's something that the Holy Spirit produces in you. And then you got to have brotherly affection. And, and I put there in-house because he made a difference between, look, brotherly affection and love for everyone. He's saying sometimes the hardest people to love are the people that you live with. And all the wives said. <laughs> I'm joking. Clearly, that didn't go so well. But he's saying brotherly affection, he's talking about church, right? The, 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 the church is a community, it's a family, 
right? And he's saying sometimes, like, don't forsake the family and just go love people out there, right? And then he says, then it leads you to a love for everyone, right? It's not, you can't have selective love. If you have selective love, then you don't have the love of Christ. And, and, and Jesus actually said this to the religious people of his time. He says, hey, you guys just love each other, but you don't love the lost. How can you have the love of God in you? Right? And so this is, my friends, the building blocks of maturity. Right? And so, please write this down. Maturity is reflected in fruits. Maturity is reflected in fruits. Right? Because Jesus said, by your fruits you will be known if you truly are my disciples. By what you produce. Not what you say. Not, what you, not just what you know, but what you produce. Are you tracking? And so if Jesus says that it's by your fruits, then... I need to, from time to time, take an inventory of my life to see if I'm producing the right fruits, right? And so I want to leave you with some questions today to consider. This is not all of it, obviously, but some things to, to, to say, am I producing these types of fruits in my life, right? There's some questions that I want you to consider, right? Are you more forgiving? Because forgiveness is it's not just a feeling, Forgiveness is something you do on purpose. Are you more forgiving? Are you less judgmental? Are you more courageous? I believe the Spirit of God empowers you to take leaps of faith, to not let your fears get the best of you, to not keep you in your comfort zone. From time to time, you've got to ask yourself the question, when was the last time I took a leap of faith? When was the last time I did something that took faith? Right? Am I more generous? Right? Am I more generous? Am I being more like God for God's soul of the world? He's generous. Am I becoming more generous with, because when I say generosity, I don't just be money. Generosity is, am I generous with my time? Do I make time for people? Am I generous with my talent? Like, am I serving others with what God has given me? And of course, am I generous with the money that he's trusted me with? Am I less worried and anxious? I think that's a big part of maturity, becoming less worried. In other words, I'm learning to trust God. I'm not living in my own strength. I'm not living in my own will. I'm learning to rely on him. I'm learning to to be at ease. I'm learning to lay down my head and, and rest because I know that God is in control, right? Am I more loving? Again, remember, we're talking about action verbs. Okay, love is patient, love is kind. Love is not boastful, it's not prideful, it's not rude. Am I growing in these things? From time to time, I need to take an inventory to say, God, am I becoming everything that you created me to be? So let me wrap this up by going back to Peter, right? Peter said this in verse 8. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The more you grow, the more productive, the more useful. Right? Sometimes, you know, what helps me understand the Bible is to reverse things. The more I don't grow, the more unproductive and useless I am. Think about it. How much time do we waste? Right? And how much resource goes to waste because I'm not being productive and useful? You know the word prodigal means wasteful? Like, that's what that young kid did. He wasted years and resources because he walked away from the will of God. 
from the purpose of God. And we don't want to be that. We don't want to be wasteful. We want to be productive and useful. Can you say amen? And so, as always, here's my practical steps to maturity. The greatest thing I learned in Bible school, two favorite things I did in Bible school. One is I, I met my wife, which was worth the price of tuition and, lo- and school loans. <laughs> but the second thing is I learned to be intentional. Like one of my favorite professors really helped me understand this. He says, if you're going to grow, you've got to be intentional because it's not just going to fall in your lap. You know, being intentional to me is what's been driving my life for the last 20-something years. And it's the greatest principle that I can live with us today. If we want to become mature, we have to do it on purpose. We want to be mature on purpose, not by accident, not by mistake. So we have to have a plan to maturity. And here's what I want to propose to us as a plan for maturity is, number one, it's a daily pursuit to be mature. It's a daily desire to be mature. I I have to have a consistent prayer life if I want to reach spiritual maturity. I can't be praying sporadically. This is something that I have to be constantly connected to God if I truly want maturity in my life. I I believe you need to have a daily reading plan if you're going to grow maturity. And I put this here. No reading equals no growth. I find it impossible to grow if I'm not reading because my mind needs to be stimulated. My heart needs to be stimulated. Like, it's impossible for me to come up here and share something with you if I'm not downloading something to share. And a lot of times you see people stuck in the same place because they haven't opened their minds up to different possibilities, right? Because they don't read. To me, the greatest way to possibilities is through reading. I read four or five books at a time. I know some people that drives them nuts, but I'm like, I I don't feel constrained to a book because... I'm always learning from different books. Like, I just finished a book yesterday, but I have like five others that I'm reading at the same time, right? But I believe that my mind has to be constantly stimulated if I'm going to grow, right? And I don't just mean like reading the Bible. I mean like reading other books that's going to expand your understanding of the life that God wants you to live. Can you say amen? Listen, I believe that you grow when you're serving others because you don't know what you have until you're serving others. And you have no idea what you're capable of if you're just living in an island by yourself. It's with others. It's by rubbing shoulders with others that you know that. And it's by living in community that you actually grow. Right? I don't want to be a saint on a shelf. A saint on a shelf is good for nothing. I need to be a saint that's rubbing shoulders with other saints. That's actually leading me to a better place, which means... I need to also be accountable if I'm going to grow on purpose. I believe these are the practical things that all of us can do to be intentional about our spiritual maturity because it takes effort, Peter says. It takes effort. Like, Jesus will come into your life, right? He will reveal himself to you. And Jesus will kind of cuddle you at first, just like a kid. And Jesus will kind of like walk with you for a little bit. But I think there comes a time when Jesus is like, now I want to see you come after me on your own. And I believe sometimes Jesus will take away feelings, take away emotions and say, will you still come after me by faith? And that's where maturity comes in. Right? I don't have to feel like praying to pray. 
I don't, feel, I don't have to feel like worship in a worship. I don't have to feel like going to church. Some people don't go to church because they didn't feel like it. That's immaturity, right? I don't have to feel like going to work to get paid, right? It's, and the funny thing is sometimes I think we're selective about what we want to feel. Isn't that amazing? Like, we don't feel like going to work, but we still go. Right? We don't feel like paying our mortgage, but we still do. Right? And some of us, we've been at the same job that we hate for years, but we don't quit. But sometimes we quit the very things that are trying to make us grow. So we, we have to be honest about our feelings and the things we want to make us grow. Can you say amen? Come on, we're going to pray together. And uh, can I invite you to stand? We can pray. And ask the Holy Spirit to help us grow, to deepen our walk with him, to deepen our convictions, to deepen our roots. So we're not flimsy. We want to be like Peter. We want to be rocks, pillars. But remember, he needed a turning point. He needed to have that one-on-one with Jesus. Where Jesus is like, man, do you really love me? Are you filled with the Spirit? Because without those two things, it's impossible to please God and to have an ongoing relationship with Him that you're going from glory to glory. You're not stagnant. I think every six months or so, you should, you should say, am I growing? Am I, am I becoming more like Him? So I want to invite us to pray together today. Would you open your hearts to the Lord and invite Him to take you deeper? to take you to a process of maturity where your faith is rooted and grounded in Him. Come what may, nothing can separate you from Him and His will and His purpose for your life. Let's pray together. Spirit of God, I pray you come upon us in a fresh way, in a new way. Lord, I want to ask you to reveal yourself to us the way you revealed to Peter. I want to pray right now that you're asking that question, do you love me? And we want to say, yes, Lord. You know I do. And I pray you empower us like Peter with your spirit so we can be bold like him, so we can have the strength to preach the gospel, to live the gospel. So Holy Spirit, come and fall fresh on us and have your way. Maybe you never trusted Jesus as the Lord of your life. This is a moment to to say, Lord, come. I want to live for your glory and honor. I want to have a faith that is real because you're the real thing. I don't want to just go through the motions. I don't want to just go to church, but I want to have an encounter with you. So Holy Spirit, come upon me. You're the real thing. Give me a deeper understanding of who you are. Give me a revelation of who you are. I don't want to leave this place the same way. I don't want to leave this broadcast the same way. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.